Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, episode 146, Healing Your Family Legacy, part two. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. This is Dr. Donna Bevanley. Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy. I hope that by listening to me talk about healing your family legacy, what it is, that you will find in yourself the ability to understand, maybe even uh, change some of the ways that you act out your family legacy. But of course, last time when I was talking about this. I'm talking about, first of all, you have to understand what it is and how it came to be. And hopefully you'll be asking yourself some of the questions that I ask about that. Because in order to heal it, you have to know what it is. Big surprise there. Um, So last time I was talking about, you know, what, what a family legacy is and how it happens. And how you as a child start to develop your own legacy. And your legacy comes from growing up in the family that you grow up in. It comes from the culture that you grew up in. It comes from your religious background that you grew up in. Everything about you as an adult is part of what you grew up with. And even if you grew up and looked back and said, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to be associated with it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to have it in my life. So when you're reacting to your family legacy in a way to try and get away from it, you still realize, of course, that that has power. It's It's still operating. If it's something you need to get away from, it's still operating. And so the best thing to do, which was what I, which is what I believe, of course, is that instead of trying to run away from it, turn around and embrace it. 
This is my family legacy. And once I embrace it, and I, when I say embrace it, I don't mean, oh, let's cuddle up and, you know, watch a movie with it. I'm talking about embracing it instead of running from it. Okay? Now, I learned this when I was learning self-defense, you know, and I was really surprised when uh, the, the instructors were saying, if somebody is after you and you know you can't outrun them, don't. Don't do it. Turn around and look them square in the eye and tell them, no, get away, start yelling 911. And then if they're still coming at you, here are five or six different areas that you can strike and they'll leave you alone. Okay? So you're not running from it anymore. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, and if you can't outrun them, they will just get you from behind and then your curtains. But if they're coming from the front and you know just a couple of things to do, you have a better chance of making it. And that's, a, that's what I'm talking about with your family legacy. Your family legacy belongs to you. Trying to get away from it is not going to make it go away. Turning around, embracing it, understanding it, learning about it, discovering how it happened and why it's so powerful will help you to shed some of that and not impact you as much as an adult. And that is why you do it. Okay? Why do you do this? Well... Let's see, we're going to talk about, for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how you were abused, what it is, how you were abused, how it impacted you then. The reason for that is that it, it doesn't quit impacting you when you're 18 or 21 or 30. It continues to impact you for the rest of your life, the rest of your life. And you can't escape that. It's a brain thing. <laughs> it's in your brain. It's things you learn. Kind of like when I'm talking about being able to plant any vegetable, at, you know, as long as I'm in a climate that manages that. But, like, I could plant anything and make it grow. It's part of my legacy. That's just how I grew up. And so, you know, and I grew up Mormon. And that's part of my family legacy. And, you know, if you read my book, Iron Legacy, Childhood Trauma and, and uh, Adult Transformation, you'll read some things about how I managed to get through that and put it in my rearview mirror without being angry and resentful and, you know, trash-talking the Mormon church and, and being able to discover the things that were positive about it, like taking care of your body. That's kind of big in the Mormon church. It's like, don't drink alcohol, don't smoke cigarettes, make sure that you get an exercise, make sure that, you know, it's like, yeah, I talk about all the time, I happen to believe it, and so do most 
uh, physicians and physical therapists and most functional adults believe that you must take care of your body. You know, I've, I've kind of adopted that myself just in terms of how I view physical self-care. It's like, this is your primary source of transportation until you die. So, do you want to hum like a Maserati when you're my age? I'm old. Or do you want to be clunking down the road, okay? And there are some things that happen with age that you just, you know, like, you, you just start clunking a little bit. But I take a clunky, clunking Maserati, Maserati any day over a broken down heap sitting in somebody's field. So, that's what I'm saying is that in order to make this work, you have to understand it. In order to get better, you have to understand what it is that's wrong. And it's not just a brain thing. It's like, oh, I, I, you know, I, I yell at my children. I don't yell at my child, but it's like, if I'm yelling at my children all the time, but I don't, I don't hit them, but I feel bad after I yell at them. I want to stop doing that. And I've known many people over the years that say, yeah, I'm not going to yell anymore. It's just too hard. I see the look on my child's face. And then they come back and say, I yelled again, and I said I wasn't going to do it. It's like, well, in order for you to stop that yelling, you have to understand where it came from. You also have to understand how much where all that energy came from that comes flying out of your mouth when you're angry. And is that really what you're feeling anyway? I mean, self-awareness will not hurt you in any way. It will improve your life. You know, it's like you have this one life. It is not a dress rehearsal. It's a real deal. And so you want to feel better? Get to know it a little bit. And if you, you know, if you follow through what I'm doing uh, and listen to what I say, you might be able to at least understand it to the level where, oh, I do that because of what happened when I was a child. It's not because I'm just a bad man or a bad woman. It's these things happened to me, and I didn't recognize it. I didn't think it was a bad thing. I didn't think it was really, I got over it. Yeah, oh, that's one of my favorites when people start therapy with me, when they, I ask them, but yeah, well, you know, was your, did you grow up in a family that was nurturing? Well, no, it wasn't really nurturing, but you know what? I got over it. <laughs> okay. So here's, here's what I'd say about that. So if you go out and get a compound fracture on your leg, are you just going to get over that? Are you just going to like, oh, okay, well, you know, when I'm a, say you're 16 when that happens. Well, when I'm 18, I'll be over it. Probably not. And guess what? If you don't get treatment for it then, it does come back and you will have problems with it. And you'll be going through 
doctors and physical therapists and everything trying to get that leg back the way it should have been. You don't get over it. You grow into it. That's what abuse does to you as a child. And when you grow up, you grow have grown into that abuse. You've, you've accommodated it or you've denied it or you've, you know, made up excuses for it. You Most of the time you think it's because you're a bad person or it's your fault. And all those things kind of go into this, this adult person now that says, well, I'll never do that. And then they do it anyway. And they get baffled and confused. Or they marry someone that does it anyway. And now they're baffled and confused about that. You just look at your own history. And that's what a legacy is. Because however you manage it, that's how your children will do it too. Or they will go in the opposite direction. It's very hard when you grow up in a family that is you know, treat you like you're God, and so then you think you are, or treat you like you're crap, and so you think you are. It's very hard to come to a middle ground with that when you're an adult, unless you do the work to get there. And, you know, it it's painful sometimes. It's painful a lot of the time, I would say. It's kind of surprising and all people say, oh, I'm really glad to know that that happened. And I'm really glad to know that the reason I do X, Y, or Z isn't because I'm a bad person. It's because of what happened. That's a bit of a relief for most people. But you don't stop there. Because if you stop there, it's just about, well, so I'm going to blame them for it. I'm going to blame those people over there for my bad behavior. This isn't a blame game. This is an accountability issue. If you feel accountable and like it's on you that you say, you know, became an alcoholic when you were 12 years old, then you know, it's like, yeah, you, it doesn't help to blame it on the people who were responsible. But when you discover that, wait, I didn't, I wasn't accountable for that. I can't be accountable for that. I was 12. And then I can identify who's accountable for that and hold them accountable. You don't go off and say, well, I know. You don't hunt people down and tell them what they did. That's not helpful at all. They, You know, it's like it's their journey, not yours. What they did to you is part of your journey. And if you're an adult doing this work, you know it's part of your journey. It's not theirs. They might be the ones that should be accountable and that you'll hold accountable, but you hold them accountable in a way where they're not there. They don't care. Well, they might care a little bit, but what are they going to do about it now? Now you're an adult. What are they going to do about it? That go back to the the war veteran. It's like, oh, so even if he was around now, and most of them are dying, if they're not already, uh, but if they're, if if they do want to be accountable, what are they going to do? 
You're all grown up now. You have your own life. You have your own issues. What are they going to do? Say, well, here, come come live with me. Let me reparent you. Probably not going to happen. They might be able to say, well, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Does that help you? Maybe a little teeny bit, at least to know that they care enough to, to, to say, yeah, I did that. But even if they did, the impact is still on you. You're the one that, Im- that is impacted by that. And so you're the one that goes through a, pro- through a process where you get healing around it. Because once you have some healing around it and understand it and know that it's part of your legacy, then you can do something about it. If you're still over there saying it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault, guess what? You can't do anything about it. It's their fault. It's their fault. They need to do something different. It's like, what would that be? Well, okay, they could be nicer to me as an adult, but it doesn't heal anything. It heals your adult interaction with them, but it doesn't change those feelings inside. Okay? So that's why you go through this. Not because, oh, gee, it's a beautiful sunny day. Oh, it snowed here last night. That's okay. Like you said, it's a beautiful sunny day, and I think I'll go back and dig up all my childhood trauma. Or, you know, I'm bored. I think I'll dig up my childhood trauma. That's just not why people do this. They do it because they know something isn't right as in their adult life. Sometimes it's obvious. Oh, I've had my third DUI now. I'm in jail for the third time. I've lost my third job. My spouse is getting ready to leave me. My kids don't like me anymore. Oh, you've got some harmful consequences, don't you? If you do, then you know, well, I guess it's up to me. You know, it's, it's like people don't change unless the pain is greater than the fear. And when you're sitting in a jail cell for the third time for DUI, and your spouse is divorcing you, and your kids won't talk to you, and you've lost your job, and you've lost your privilege to drive, now maybe the pain is greater than the fear of not drinking. Because trust me, when an addict is looking down at their addiction, they're not looking at that with joy and happiness. They're looking at it with fear because they know that that thing has gotten them. So when the pain is greater than the fear, people tend to make choices, get, you know, try and get better. So I'll be talking, I'll be talking about this whole idea that if you grew up in a family that was less than nurturing, and you haven't really turned around and embraced that, then you are not a happy person. You might pretend you are, this, you know, toxic positivity where, oh, everything is wonderful and it's a beautiful day and God made me and I'm just happy, happy, happy. Yeah, well, that's called toxic positivity. And it doesn't mean you got to live in toxic negativity either. But to acknowledge when something isn't right 
or something is there you're in pain about something and acknowledge the reality of that, that makes you a functional adult. So how, you know, those are just, you know, that toxic positivity, the toxic negativity, you know, addictions, mental illness, all these, all of these are a result and many more of growing up in a family that's less than nurturing. Now, I know that there is no such thing as a perfect parent, whatever that is. You know, and people say to me, well, I wasn't a perfect parent. It's like, what is that anyway? <laughs> I can't even begin to describe what a perfect parent is. Okay? I think it's about behavior and what you come in with. There are, you know, there are times in a parent's life when they might yell at their child. There's a time in a parent's life where they might say something that is not nurturing. There, there might be a time in a parent's life where they abandon their kid for some reason, you know, and they don't even mean to. Okay, but I don't even know what a perfect parent looks like. Perfect parents aren't parents that follow their child around and, you know, interact with them all day, no matter what. That's crazy. It's not. And boy, talk about impairing a child's development. You know, I, I would say that as a child, when you were faced with a conflict that didn't, uh, that wasn't over the top, like you weren't looking at life and death, illness, um, some kind of physical impact, whatever, like that. When you have, at, when you're a child and you have to overcome a situation or puzzle something out in your mind and you do it, it helps you grow. I mean, children that don't, that don't have anything in their life that is problematic because their parents guard them from all of that, um, then they don't function very well as adults. Because guess what? The world's not like that. The, the, there is no place that the world is going to guard you. You know, maybe Elon Musk is looking for that every time he sends up one of those rockets looking for a new place to live. Even on another planet, you might get lonely. So, you know, if you are a child who, you know, for whatever reason didn't have friends, that's a, that's a sad situation. But if your parents helped you deal with that, in ways where, well, how does that feel? And and what do you think we might be able to do different? And how can we manage this? And, you know, help you come up with some ideas about how to deal with that. Then you're stronger. You are wiser. You know more about how to manage it when you grow up. And it might be that you just have a, have a bad habit or something that makes other kids not want to be around you. Okay? So, 
You know, there's all kinds of reasons. But when the parents help the child get through it and not rescue them from it, get through it, then the child develops. They develop coping skills that are useful in in adult life. So we're going to be talking about this, too, as we move along. Thank you for listening to Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com slash support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2023, Dr. Donna Bevan Lee, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.